Hello and welcome to another edition of the Seeing Red Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Amanzetta, J to the OE, Stalin Iverson. Uh, happy uh, March 3rd, right? Yeah, Today? nailed it. March 3rd, Ooh, look at Hot that. Hot start. Didn't even have to look at my game notes for that one. Uh, yeah, that voice you overheard, I'll, I'll just get right in the lineup, I guess. Uh, Can Eat Wheat is in fact bringing the heat and a co-author of a tweet that is kind of blowing up right now. Matt Goof, how's it going? Blowing up by our like, very menial standards. Yeah. Uh, one thing I wanted to address really quickly is, although we have done all-time numbers on the RTs and faves on it, uh, it's actually led into a net loss in our followers. We are dash one right now. So, wow. So yeah. someone was really offended yeah. and said... Yeah, you're pushing people away, unfortunately. If, uh, if you're an unfollow, let's just block us. Just go all in. Like, yeah. We don't want any half-ass... Uh, yeah, for real. No half-ass engagement. Yeah. We want the whole ass of your just engagement. Just report us to Twitter, actually. Yeah. And then the man making all the magic happen. Uh, the song I was really feeling this week that I was going to do a producer duo combo was uh, Nuts on Your Chin by <laughs> Easy. <laughs> And while I don't have the information in front of me, I do think that uh, Dr. Dre might have been the one to produce it because that's kind of like their thing, right? But it could be someone else. Anyway, yeah, you're the Dr. Dre or something to my EZ. Let's get it. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Yo. That was something. Yeah. It, of all the things, that was definitely one of them, hey? <laughs> uh, okay. As you can tell, we're uh, kind of hurting today. We all went out to celebrate this hockey game just like everyone else in the city seemingly did. And like... Everyone, uh, we left a little disappointed, and so uh, I'm going to give it off to Matt Gub to do Ruslan Slay the Land, and then we'll we'll get right in. Okay, so uh, I guess start on last Sunday night. We played the Senators. It was the Kachuk Bowl. Right, his whole family is wearing those really ugly oh half and my half God. jerseys. So bad. Yeah, but anyways, <laughs> the Flames won two to one, and then still on the road, we went to the Islanders and beat them three to one. Then the next night, we played the Devils, beat them 2-1. to one. And then Saturday night, the Jerome McGinley jersey retirement. Mm-hmm. Flames lost 4-2 to two to snap the seven-game winning streak. Uh, actually, let's do this first. Did you like the jersey ceremony? Uh, yeah, I thought it was good. It was I, good length, right? Not yeah. too long, not too short. Yeah, you know, I was definitely a little bit worried when we all found out that uh, they're doing the ceremony like one hour prior to the game. I'm like, oh, like how much can you really do? Like, but it yeah. didn't feel like it dragged on. Like everything was kind of purposeful. Uh, the selection on like the dudes that yeah, uh, yeah, the speakers really well done. Lanny narrated the, the the tribute video. Yeah, yeah, and then Conroy spoke. Peter Marr was a master of ceremonies. They all did awesome. Yeah, but then they trotted out like about. 12 of Diggy's like favorite teammates or like guys they're just yeah. like weren't doing anything I guess like Chris yeah. Dingman yeah, I'm pretty sure it was just guys that were like available like yeah. Mc- like Mike Commodore played 14 games with the like before that playoff run right, so right. like I, I know, right? Like like Dean McCammon got his shift covered at Ruth Mark <laughs> and he was able to make it. That's right. Chris It'll, Dingman, like Warner's there, but he's like a Calgary guy. Like I get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Andrew Ferentz, I guess, is he just like living Calgary now? The Oilers, is he like in the Oilers like front office or I, something? I don't think so. I think, uh, yeah, he was part of the Cup run. I think he's from the area, isn't he? Ferentz? Yeah. Yeah, he's got to be an Alberta guy. Yeah. Hmm, I don't know, but yeah, exactly. My my thoughts are yeah pretty similar to that. Uh, yeah, the ceremony was cool. Yeah, I liked it. I thought it was uh. Very well done. They like, I don't know, yeah, yeah nothing was, too cheesy and too like Canadian. Like, I don't know. It was all very professional. For sure. Did you think he was going to cry? I thought he was going to cry. Yeah. I was definitely of the mindset that he was going to cry too, but then I realized he's not a bitch. So, nice. Uh, yeah. The one that got me wasn't like talking about how much he loved Calgary, blah, blah, blah. It was like 
He's like, when I realized that I was done in the NHL and I didn't have a Stanley Cup. And I, oh, that yeah. just like, he wanted one so oh, bad, man. right? He chased one for like five years after being a flame. And yeah. Oh, yeah, that one got me. Yeah, that's right. All right. So uh, I guess to unpack the games, the Flames played quite well up until this game against the Wild. Uh, if you didn't watch, we outshot them, I believe, 36 to 3723. Yeah, 3723. Yeah. And Mike Smith had a puck handling. I don't know what to call it anymore. Like. Uh, a disaster mishap? like nuclear meltdown yeah like what the <laughs> fuck is he doing behind the net it actually is it's really infuriating to watch and like we all watch it together and like you can just see it it's like a train wreck in slow motion like he goes behind the net he gets stuck he bumps into hannafin and you just like you knew this is gonna squirt out front and it's stop using that word stuck he was not stuck yeah he looks right. he's just yeah. there yeah if you watch it you're like you can literally point out like he's fine he's fine he can still move he's still there what yeah. are you still doing back there? You're fine. Leave. Goal. Yeah. Like, I know you You can go back there and do it. I get the puck handling his thing. We're not going to change that. That's like how he is. Mm-hmm. But you also can decide to like pull the pin and like, okay, fuck it. This is not working. Leave the puck. Let your defenseman go in, chase that guy. He can't score from behind the net. He still has to like make a pass or a play, right? Right. So just like when he's waiting for it to get in the trapezoid against the Ducks before that goal went in, yeah. like fuck off. Just get back in the net and let someone else figure it out. I think my biggest issue with Mike Smith playing the puck all the time is uh, we now have a large body of evidence of people now game planning against it. Yes. And it seems that the Flames are reluctant to change that, and I think that's that's like not very progressive at all and like not how you should approach it. Completely if it's not working, you, you scrap it, you go back to the drawing board, and maybe you make the adjustment, right? That's you exactly so. how the goal went in. They dump yeah. it in, and then you put pressure on Mike Smith so that he makes a turnover, a shitty pass, yep. and then that, you have the cage wide open. That was literally the game plan. Yeah, Bruce Boudreaux. Yeah, he came out and he was that. like, yeah, he sometimes he plays the puck well, sometimes he doesn't. We're banking on the fact that he's going to play Did shit. he say that before the game? Yes. Oh, my God. Well, like, now we have to. That's what I'm saying, right? It's like, that's the worst part is, like, uh, that reluctance to change. You know, I, yeah. I understand you want to be like, we're going to play our game, but... You know, there's there's a fine line between like being stubborn and you know trying to have an identity. And if it's not working, if the identity is like this play is fucked, yes, like don't don't do it, right? It, and I'm getting scared by how much like media and like uh, interviews and shit are coming out. They're like, we love how much Mike Smith plays the puck. What is like a third defenseman back there? Like, what mm-hmm. a weapon we have. That's right. And it feels like like state run press. Like when you read yeah. like old like Mussolini resorts and it's like yeah. man Italy's the best country in the world like we kick ass and you're like do we or like are you just trying to convince me of something that's definitely not true it's some like it's some well-placed uh sun media it's propaganda like, hand, right yeah it's like it's like oh Mike Smith is very deficient as a goaltender but oh but he can play the puck right yeah you know, looking over here while you know the, it's a fucking dumpster fire back there it's like if I just keep like repeating it like eventually the fans will start to believe it instead of actually well, watching even, the game even the fucking players are saying it too like yeah. Gio last night he's like yeah like Mike Smith's a great puck player I know and, and you I know, sometimes it just doesn't work I out swear he's just fragile right it's like everyone's just afraid to trash Mike Smith because he knows he'll just like fucking crumple up and cry and be even worse right so it, instead of being like yo Mike maybe you should like get your fucking poop in a group and start playing some goaltender well, right apparently they're the like oh but you play the puck really well you're contributing and we're winning so like that's great the analysis on the radio which i guess would be peter labardius uh yes was like uh 
if when you play the puck as well and as often as Mike Smith does, like these are just going to happen sometimes. Like that's okay. Mm-hmm. Like, is it like, are we just like willing to accept that? Like, what are we, what have we gained from his puck handling that like is worth these goals going in? For sure. And then to top it off again, if you didn't watch the game, so that would make goal made at three, two. And then he let in an absolute muffin from the blue line between his legs. Yep. Like, I feel like we're going backwards. We're in December again, where mm-hmm. he just can't do anything. I know. And like these wins all week, like he was on a streak or oh, whatever. Yeah. But I, did he play really well in any of them? Well, they had they had less than two goals let in six of the last seven or something. It was like the graphic on TV yesterday. So, but I, that's a point that I actually want to address is the Flames can't win if they're not scoring. Is like what this is indicative for me. Agree. Uh, because on the other end of the ice last night. Minnesota probably didn't play their best game, right? They're on the road. They're in a hostile environment. They're in a barn that, like, you know, everyone is cheering for the Flames. Uh, and they played a decent little road game and had a goalie steal them a, a fucking game they didn't deserve to win. And we don't have that. We don't have that that bullet in our gun. Uh, yeah, to use a really terrible metaphor. So, yeah, I just want to talk about the week. And this is shots on goal per game. Right. So, Senators game, we outshot them 35-23 and won a one-goal squeaker. Okay. And then we played the Isles, and the shots were 27-27. So I guess we'll, we'll take that. as. But then we outshot the Devils, 35-20, won yeah. a 2-1 squeaker. And then outshot the Wild, what we say, 37-23, and lost 4-2. Yeah. Like, at what point like, are, do we need, I don't know, we're like killing teams outside of the goaltender position, right? Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know how to fix it or if we need to improve our shot quality instead of like volume. Like I, I feel like we should we should be thundering teams when we outshoot them thirty seven twenty, not two one every time. Well, I, I guess that's the whole like the percentages are going to work out where like we're not going to score like fucking seven goals every single game. Like that's how that works. But uh, I think it's important that we don't like completely lose sight of the fact that we have a first place team that just won seven straight fucking games, and it just so happens that this one we lost. Right, but the this the opponents this week again, Senators are terrible. Yeah, Devils the, bad. Devils are terrible. Isles good. Isles good, and you play the Devils on the second of a back-to-back. Like, these are like good wins, and then like Minnesota's a team who's like struggling for a wild card spot yeah. at home. Like this was a game that you should have been able to go out and do your thing, mm-hmm. and we like couldn't. Yeah, I guess I'm wondering like, think of like the Mike Keenan Flames, the Robin Regeer guys that like we would get outshot like forty to twenty every game, but yeah. it's like our thing was oh the shots come from the walls, like they're bad quality shots, so we're okay with that. Yeah. Are we somehow like the opposite now where we're out shooting teams by 25, but the shots are like not that good and teams are just like letting us? I don't think so, man. The the Flames, like not to, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Make light of yesterday, like shitting down their leg. I guess the Flames really didn't. It was just kind of Mike Smith kind of sunk the ship. But Sam Bennett hit a post, right? Austin Zarnick had a goal uh, disallowed. Like the Flames get their fucking chances. They shoot a ton. I don't think uh, they take like bad shots. I think that's a... You think we're just kind of in a tough shooting percentage little streak here? It, it's felt like a little dip, right? Like, Johnny Gaudreau hasn't been as dominant. He, he's actually come alive recently, the past two games. But prior to that, like, Monaghan was cold. Gaudreau was cold. Kachuk was cold. It was the secondary dudes. Derek Ryan was super hot. Majapane. Totally. Sonic. So, I don't know. Yeah, I guess I'm just nervous that we're, like, squeaking by these shitty teams, like, 2-1, to 3-1. One, to one. And that when we play a really good team like San Jose in the playoffs, like, this isn't going to work. Well, okay, it's interesting that you bring that up because the future schedule is tough this week, right? Yeah. Uh, we, we have the Knights twice and the Leafs as well. Correct. So I guess I should have done yeah. the other half. So tomorrow night we'd have Toronto at home, 
and then we go at the Las Vegas Knights, and then second night of a back-to-back, we're at the Phoenix Coyotes, and then Sunday night, we have home Vegas. So Toronto and Vegas twice, mm-hmm. That those are three tough games, yep. and then Phoenix, second half of a back-to-back, like, yep. they're not that strong a team, but still. But like, they're in the wild-card hunt, man. Yeah. Yep. So, and like, especially in Vegas, like, that's another very likely matchup in the playoffs. Vegas is probably one of the best home teams in the NHL. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I'm nervous that we're going to go and lay an egg that game. And then like, I don't know, nothing lose confidence a little bit. I think besides the goaltending, there's nothing to really inspire that thoughts like that in my head. Like, I think we're kind of just going to go and take care of business, especially against a Leafs team that is kind of fragile as well, which is like a different storyline. We don't really have to touch on, but, uh, yeah, I, th- I think they can take care of the Leafs, and they can definitely take care of the Knights. We were talking, actually, kind of briefly off-air, and in a previous podcast, how the Knights don't really scare me that much, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so... Flurry's like, probably the Vezina leader right now, right? Flurry? I would say uh, Vaz Lefsy, you know? Yeah, Vaz. I think Flurry has more wins, though, just because uh, he's, like, played more games or something. Yeah. But agreed. Like, they... Their defense core doesn't scare me. Yeah. They have, like... The same as last year. It's like four second lines, yeah. right? Just like, very medium everywhere. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. Mark Stone's really good. William Carlson's really good. But they're not, like, game breakers the way, like, a Kucherov or, like, mm-hmm. you know, like a Brent Burns or someone. Yeah. So, I don't know. May- maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we're going to go and we'll kick Vegas 5-1 both times. And then we, like, assert ourselves as the number one team in the West. For sure. But, uh for a week that we went three and one, I guess I just like wasn't overly impressed, mm-hmm. and I don't want to be like a Debbie Downer, like we're in first place and yada yada. But okay, let me run something by you. So uh, one thing that we haven't touched on yet this podcast is the trade deadline is coming, come and gone, right? And the Flames kind of held tight all their assets, didn't really uh, acquire anybody besides Fandenberg, who we will chat about, right? Um, so who who do you think is the biggest threat to the Flames in the West? I think we're all assuming that the Flames are pretty much. By, by talent and by virtue from the record uh, are probably the favorites to go to the Western Conference Final, right? So but, who uh, do you yeah. think is in our weight class? Um, I think the th- there are three teams that scare me, and they're San Jose, Nashville, and Winnipeg. Okay. I think those three teams are built. They're fast like us, but they're bigger than us. Mm-hmm. And I think in the playoffs, when like series tend to get really physical, that could be an advantage that they have over us. Right. But San Jose. But you're forgetting we have the ultimate playoff trump card in big body James Neal. Yeah, gonna come yeah. back and be fresh as a daisy. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it was, just, it was tough to see all three of those teams not just get better, but get like significantly better. Mm-hmm. Like Stone went to Vegas. Uh, Kevin Hayes went to Winnipeg. Yep. Uh, Nashville gets Simmons and Fiala. Nashville got uh, Granlin. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, and Wayne Simmons. Like. It was, yeah, we got Fantenberg, who, like, has played okay, but he's a third-pairing defense. Like, he's not a game-changer. Yeah. So, you're not even putting the Knights in that tier with with those other teams? I think San Jose is a better team than Vegas. Okay. And will beat them in the first round. But, uh, like, I, I think I would fi- pick the Flames, to like, but I wouldn't feel comfortable about it. I don't think we're going to sweep Vegas. Right. But they don't scare me, I guess, as much as those other three, to answer your question. Okay, cool. Do you, like, disagree with any of those? Uh, no, no, no. I definitely think all three of those teams are certainly as good as the Flames. I think I like them in a series against pretty much any of those guys. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. That's uh, kind of my analysis on that. Should we uh, wrap this up and yeah, then... We'll put a pin in this one and then we'll come back and we'll discuss our uh, Instagram poll. Hey.
Hey Matt, I just picked up this fancy new Instagram thing. And while it's pretty cool with all the scantily clad ladies selling teeth whitening kits, I'm actually looking for some Flames content. You should check out the Seeing Red Instagram account. Hmm, Seeing Red Instagram account? I'm unfamiliar. It's full of Flames content, interactive polls, and funny jokes about us. Wow, that sounds great. You can find us at Seeing Red Podcast as well as on Twitter, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Welcome back. So uh, this week's Instagram poll was in reference to acquiring Oscar Fantenberg on Monday's trade deadline. And if the Flames decor are all healthy, which were close, not quite, who do you sit, I guess, and who do you start? Who's the odd man out, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Because we have quite a few defensemen on the roll now. Yep. And uh, most answers were like, you have to continue to start Anderson as like a almost top four type guy. Mm Mm-hmm. He had a horrible giveaway last night, which led to a goal. Yep. And I get that, like, that happens, and he's had some sweet offensive stuff. But, like, are you a little bit nervous that he's 22 with, like, 60-some career NHL games, taking him into the playoffs? Like, he's been playing with Geo. That's our number one pairing. Yeah. Like, are you a little nervous about that, or are you, like, ready to forgive Ras for last night? I'm not... uh, I'm ready to forgive him for sure, because I think he's also getting hot at the right time uh, offensively. He's, like, really showcasing that, like, enormous shot he has. Huge can, for yeah, sure. Yeah, fucking sweet. Uh, so I, I'm going to be a little bit nicer to him uh, than you are. I he, feel a little bit that he do, he's a bit of a gambler uh-huh. that, you know, he, like, he loves to shoot, but sometimes you just drill it into the shin pads and it's a two-on-one going behind you. Yep. Um, I guess I'd be a little bit nervous, but I think between him and, like, Brody, you have two guys that Gio can play with one who's more conservative and laid back and one who's a little more aggressive and offensively skilled. Yep. So I guess maybe you play him as if you're winning a game, you played Brody in the top pairing and Rass sits more and then you can kind of shut her down. What if you playing catch up, you keep Rass's speed and shot in the lineup. I don't know. One thing I do like about uh, Rasmus playing with Geo now is that kind of disperses uh, instead of having a, top, a clear like top four right. that we have, it's uh, kind of like three D pairings that you can kind of roll with Brody, you know, with one of the kids. Right. So I, I do kind of like that. Um, speaking of the kids, I think our our logic is your top six defensemen are Geo, Brody, Hannafin, uh, Hamannick, yep, and then uh, a blender of Michael Stone, Oscar Fantenberg. Uh, Shillington, Valimaki. Is that all of them? And Dalton Prout. And Dalton Prout. That's right. Okay. So do we all agree that Dalton Prout is the bottom of that Dalton list? Dalton Prout is the worst of the of the He's ninth out of nine. Yes. I agree. Yeah. I think acquiring Fantenberg was trying to upgrade that Prout role, mm-hmm. which is the doesn't play every day, but when you feel like you have a physical game coming up, then... Yeah. Yeah. You need a little toughness, a little grit in the line. Which, like, Fantenberg's six feet tall, 200 pounds. Like, he's kind of just a very, like, medium build. Yeah. But he is, like, a defensive defenseman. Yeah, he doesn't wear a visor, bro, so you know he's tough. <laughs> really? Does he not? <laughs> he doesn't wear a visor. Wow. I'm surprised they let him, because he's only 27. Didn't they grandfather in, like, the visor rule? I'm not sure. I actually don't I know. I visors were mandatory now. Yeah, I, I actually have no idea. I, that was one of the first things I noticed about Dalton Proud was that he doesn't wear a visor. I was like, yo, this is a throwback. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But anyways, I do see your point. Um. But Fantenberg has looked okay. Like, he's not going to score you a ton of points. Yeah, we, we talked about it kind of briefly off air, but for me, no news is good news with Oscar Fantenberg. Right. If uh, if I'm not over there being like, wow, what a fucking terrible giveaway by Oscar Fantenberg. If I don't have to talk about Oscar Fantenberg for the rest of my life, this was a successful acquisition. <laughs> totally. That he just quietly, you know, chips the puck out along the board, yep. doesn't get scored Knows on. his role. Yeah. Yep. I agree. 
Um, so then that brings us to Shillington and Val Mackey. Yep. Uh, Shillington, I believe, has more games played. Val has about 22, then got hurt, and has been playing the A and, like, lighting it up. I want to say he has 12 points in 12 games. Really? In 2019, yeah. Wow. He's still my beating heart. <laughs> um, so, he's obviously healthy. Like, he's playing, but, he, he, like, we haven't called him up. Michael Stone is, like, week to week, but I think kind of closer rather than farther. Yeah, yeah I heard like, that. Like, where do you rank those three? Val Mackey, Shillington, Michael Stone. I think I personally go, uh, okay, this is a tough question because it's like, what, do you want, who do you want as your ideal third pairing or who do you think is the best player? Like, what, which question are we asking If the here? playoffs start tomorrow and everyone's who's, healthy. Who's in my lineup? Yeah. Okay, for that reason, I want to go with Shillington because he's played more. Interesting. I don't think he's done enough to warrant, like, uh, sitting him and okay. like starting Valamaki or Stone over him. Okay. And then I would probably go with Valamaki just because I kind of believe that Stone, like Dalton Proud and Oscar Fantenberg, uh, are like kind of limited in what they can do. Whereas like you, we don't really know what Valamaki can do yet because he's a kid. That's so I, I'm worth, I'd rather take that gamble. I agree in that it is a gamble that could pay off. This happens in the playoffs, it seems like once per year. Some team finds like a guy no one in the, the league has heard of yep. who just like catches fire and scores 10 points in 15 games and takes his team to the finals. Yep. But I also just think the downside is like he plays terrible. He like gets loses all confidence. Like, you know what I mean? Like we feel oh. like we've. Uh, uh, you, you pool party him. Yeah. Yeah. You Jesse pool party him. Then yeah. you bring him up and say, okay. And like. Flames are pretty high pressure. Like this is yeah. the best season we've had since eighty eight eighty nine, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is this is our chance. This is yeah. It's finally all come together. We're finally healthy. Like we finally have like a top line scoring and like our secondary scoring's there. Yeah. And our defense core is wicked. And like this is, I just feel like that could be a lot of pressure for what is he twenty? Yeah. And then if he has a couple shitty games, and then the whole city turns on him and says like, "What the fuck, man?" Yeah, that's true. So then maybe go with a Michael Stone, right? I think Stone sees time in the playoffs. That isn't saying I, like, agree with him as, like, a skill player that he makes us that much better. Yeah. I just, like, look at how our team is built and how young our back end is Mm -hmm. and how I I, I just think we value that ability to, like, chip it out of a corner. Every little, like, uh, conventional wisdom, like, playoff box is ticked with Michael Stone, right? It's, like, been on the team a long time. KG veteran. Local guy. Yes, yeah. Tall and local. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, we, yeah, we're definitely going to see some Michael Stone. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, it's it, the, the Phantomburg trade was bizarre because we have so much defensive depth. Like mm-hmm. we had eight guys already. Yeah. That's like too many. We can only dress six, but not like, but I guess I get, just counting like someone's gonna get hurt. Right. Yeah. And bringing up like a Phantomburg to replace a Brody who breaks his arm or like Hannafin blocks a shot or Hamannick gets drilled in the head like oh, again. Yeah then that gap to your seventh and eighth guy is all that much like sh- shorter as opposed to a huge drop off to for sure. Do you think maybe they uh, acquire Fenberg because they just realistically don't want to play Valimaki in the NHL this year? I think there's a possibility yeah. that if he's doing, if he's succeeding in Stockton mm-hmm. and our doctrine, if you will, at the deadline was that this is just the start of our window. Like this yeah. isn't our year. This is our decade, right? Right. We're going to be good for a long time. So we don't need to go all in because we'll be back. Yep. And maybe you take that mentality and apply it to Valmacki succeeding in Stockton. He's playing 25 minutes a night. He's playing the first power play unit. That team I think is going to make the playoffs and maybe he has some six playoff success in the A first. Yep. And you figure that that will better serve your six year window yep. than bringing him up this year to try and like 
catch lightning in a bottle. Man, this is so fucking weird because you're absolutely correct. They're like breeding him. They're like, yo, yes. Falamac, this could be your team, right? It's going to be your team someday. And Not I, today, but it will be soon. And when your number's called, you're going to be ready. We're going to do everything we can to water you and nurture you. It's the Aaron Rodgers, yes, right? Yes, like, We know he's better than Favre. Favre's old and shitty, but he's just like, he's got it right now. And you sit and wait and like, when, when it's your time, you'll be sweet instead of being an every Oiler player ever. And getting pushed too soon and then shitting the bed and then traded for Ryan Spooner. That gets me so fucking excited, man, because we're already sick, right? Right? Yeah. Oh, my God. Whew. Having my cake and eating it, too. Right? Yeah. Like, Pat Mahomes, just wait. Like, yeah. Alex Smith is old and he's bad and he has tiny, tiny hands. Yeah. <laughs> but one day we will trade him and it'll be your team and you'll be ready. Yeah. That's right. Jesus, that's so sweet. Right? Yeah. Just the, the, the There's going to be no drop-off, right? Giordano is going to put up 80 points a year until he's like 40 and then go off into the sunset by our other handsome, racially ambiguous, bald captain, <laughs> get his number retired, and then it's going to be the era of Alamaki. Yeah. It's going to be sweet. It is. I'm ready. So to put a button on the question, I think we go Anderson because I do think he's played the best of our young guys mm-hmm. and like a Phantomburg Stone. I don't know if Shillington plays much in the playoffs. Yeah, I agree with that. Just get more experience and old yep. gritty dudes. Man, and Shillington's fucking sweet too. Everyone wants a piece of Shillington as well. I will say the depth does allow us to play our sixth defenseman like 17 minutes a night instead of like, I feel like Prout in like December was playing like six minutes. Yeah. That's like three shifts. <laughs> like what the fuck? Like what a waste of a roster spot. True. So the depth that takes weight off of the Geos and the Hannafins and the Brodies, right? Yep. Because they can play 22 and you know better zone starts and more special teams time right instead of playing 26 or 27 just being out there all the and time and having to just like skate laps up and down the ice over and over and over for sure for sure uh one last thing we should kind of touch on uh this is kind of changing gears here uh the jason zucker trade that like fell through the the woodwork did you guys see what that trade was for that was a pick and for leak yep 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 so a second rounder and for leak and i think it might have been conditional um, Presumably, like, if we win the cup or the conference final or something. Yeah, they get a kicker. Most of them are if you re-sign him, but Jason Zucker, I believe, is, is under contract. four years at four. He's, like, for Leak's original contract, I think. I actually, I'm a little cheesed that it didn't work out because I, I thought that trade would make the Flames, wow. like, ultimately better. Okay, yeah. so Zucker has four years left at $5.5 million. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's got a real contract. Kind of, I'm okay we dodged that. I I'm I actually don't hate that because that's basically what you pay for a leak right now and I think Jason Zucker is better than for a leak. He like does fit our like tiny and fast. Yeah, but I just be like, there's so much risk when you bring in a guy like that that he just like won't fit in and won't succeed. Like like it's the James Neal, it's the Browers dudes yeah. that like. See how reluctant you were to say that. But it's true. It's become a cuss word. It's no. not bad, James. <laughs> I don't love James Neal. He's just an unfortunate reality that we can't just trade away for a seventh round pick, okay? God, James Neal is climate change, Joe, okay? There's nothing I can do about it's it that, That's correct. We just got to make the best with what we have. Matt loves James Neal. No, you love James Neal. <laughs> Matt loves James Neal, man. I swear. Okay. Life gives you James Neal's make lemonade. That's right. That's right. Put him in the press box. Yeah. Nice. That's a good place for lemonade. Wow. <laughs> He's not going in the press box. Okay. He plays every game. If he's healthy, he plays every playoff game. You think so? I don't think so. Really? Come on, man. Okay, I'll, I'll make this bet. He, he plays every playoff game? If he's healthy. If he's healthy, okay, sure. I'll take that. I'm going to trust my boy Billy Peters to keep James Neal off this team and make him earn his way back on, okay? You can't just sit Zarnick because James Neal is expensive and shitty, okay? Zarnick deserves a spot on this team. 
Hathaway deserves a spot on this team. Like, all these guys are playing their way onto this team. The worst dude should be in the box, and the worst dude at this current juncture in time is James Neal. I don't think so. I agree. He's bad. He's our 11th, 12th guy, but he's not our 13th or 14th. Who? Okay. Okay. All right. Sid Hathaway. Uh, yeah. Man, okay, speaking yeah. of Hathaway, did you like him cave that face, that guy's I face? I did not like that penalty. I th- uh, th- yeah, that was stupid. Yeah. Uh, and so he didn't uh, get any supplemental discipline. It came out this morning. But he kind of like the trip on each other almost. And then he maybe puts his arm out and guides the guy's face into the yeah. side of the boards. But... <laughs> I don't know. I guess I just, like, don't care about, like, 11 minutes and, like, one big hit as much as, I don't know. As 11 minutes and literally nothing? James Neal, we found, I think we're finding a role for him. And I know you're going to roll your eyes and laugh and laugh and laugh. But okay. he doesn't He doesn't have foot speed. He's slow. <laughs> okay, this is good. Where, what are you building up to? <laughs> but there are guys in the league. Like, we were looking Look, at... Look, he's not very fast. He doesn't score very much. And he's kind of a prick, but... I swear there's a redeeming quality in here somewhere. You just Are gotta keep playing them. Are describing Stan Podolak from Space Jam? <laughs> I'm not very tall, but I'm slow. Yeah. yeah. And I can't jump. <laughs> My point being, guys at the trade deadline, like a Wayne Simmons, who also don't have foot speed, but can sit there with their stick in the air and like shoot one-timers and stuff, yep. and or plug their fat ass in front of the net and like let other players deflect it in off their pants. Yep. Like, there's a role in the NHL for that guy. Okay. That guy fetched like a second-round pick for Wayne Simmons to the Flyers. Like, I just... I'm not pr- happy that he's, we're paying $5.75 million for it, <laughs> but I'm just saying James Neal has a spot on this do team. Do you think James Neal wants to do that role? I think a big issue of James Neal like, being largely shitty is that he doesn't really enjoy uh, his role on this team. Being like a third-line death dude, be an old guy, talk to like the young dudes, be like, yo, I'm a KG veteran. I've been around the block a few times. You know, This is how you win in the league. That's why you, you acquire James Neal. For sure. Do you think he wants to do this role? I mean, I don't know. He's getting... I would do a lot of things for $5.75 million. Yeah. Okay. Do you think he's suited to this role? I think he's getting better at it. Okay. He's so, improving. Like, he was because fucking train wreck at the start of the year. I get that. The only argument you can make for me uh, currently that James Neal is a better hockey player than Garnett Hathaway mm-hmm. is all these intangible things. Because from the on-ice product, from really? on-ice production, yes, I think Garnett Hathaway in his role is more effective than James Neal is in his role. We have Garnett Hathaway to kill penalties and hit people. I think Garnett Hathaway's on the role box. is You easier, sign James though. Neal to like do all this extra shit and also pitch in a few goals, and he's not doing either of them. Ergo, therefore, Garnett Hathaway's better than James Neal. Hathaway's role is easier, I think. Like, if let's say the role was played two minutes to get in a fight. Like, I could do that. I'd lose the fight. Yeah. I'd be in the hospital for three months, but like I could go out and do that. Do James th- Neal is like... Being a second-line energy guy who also is tough and is also you, big and also plays power play, that's demanding. Do you think that James Neal would be able to do what Garnet Hathaway does? Yes. I don't think so. I don't think that's the case. Really? Yeah, I really do. Just, like, don't worry about scoring, run around, and, like, hit people. I think James Neal's been put in every possible opportunity to succeed here, and it hasn't worked, whereas Garnet Hathaway just works the fourth fucking line constantly. He gets the worst—he's never in the offensive end, right? He's but, just there to kill penalties. But his, his possession numbers are terrible. They're way worse than James Neal's. Like, he doesn't drive play at all. He doesn't play all. with good players, man. He plays on the fourth line. And he plays in the defensive end the whole time. And he never sees any time on the power play. That's why James Neal's better possession numbers. Power play doesn't count for possession numbers. We're talking like five on five. I'm just saying, 
when the Neil line, whether it's like with Jankowski and Bennett, where he played a little bit with Backlund and Froelich, whatever line he's on, yep. they have the puck more than when Hathaway's line is on. Okay. And having the puck is good. Who's I, got more points this year? I actually don't know. It's probably close. It's Garnett Hathaway. No? He has James more. Neal. Oh, he's more goals. That's Hathaway right. more, goals. Hathaway's more goals. Confirm more goals. Yeah. Garnett Hathaway has seven goals, three assists for ten points. That's yep. the puck, Garnett. Selfish. <laughs> Neil has five goals and ten assists for 15. Oh, okay. There you go. Neil's also a minus ten, and Hathaway's a plus six. Woo! So, All right. So. <laughs> Who has more pims? Guaranteed uh, Hathaway. Hathaway. Yeah. Wow. 43. Yeah. Neil has 24. Undisciplined. Plus. Undisciplined. Yeah, he did get ten last night. That's true. Man. I don't know. I think right now the worst forward on the Calgary Flames is James Neal, and I will fight you if you uh, if you disagree with that statement. I guess. Okay, I think we'll, this will be the next insupport. It's like some real ass punishment. Like you got to like wear a seeing red shirt and yep. like go to a, a hot yoga class or something. <laughs> okay, sounds good. If James Neal gets healthy scratched in the playoffs, if he gets healthy scratched in the playoffs, yeah, yeah. sure, deal. Okay, I'll take that. All right. Uh, Man, every week we say we're not going to be like the Mike Smith, James Neal podcast. I know, I know, I know. Yeah, should we just like go ahead and talk about the Oilers thing we do every week too? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Peter Shirelli, still shitty, still yeah, not very still good. Bad. Yeah, oh yeah, he's unemployed yeah. now. Yeah, he's actually, uh, he was the guy who covered for Dean McCammon so that Dean could go there. Peter yeah. Shirelli's at Roof Mart right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With Jeff Fisher. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. All right, uh, we'll uh, wrap this up and then come back for a little snack after the break. So uh, with Iggy's return last night, um, there was also another return with uh, John Tavares going back to New York uh, after obviously not signing there. Uh, the fans were not too happy. Yeah. Um, what did you guys think of that? Did you like that or did you I thought it was think really they shady. went a bit too far? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I have some mixed feelings about it because I'm never going to get mad at someone for you know booing the opposition. But I think that just kind of comes with the territory in sports. But I think a lot of the jersey burning and the the snakes on the ice was probably too far. Probably shouldn't ever throw anything at any sporting person ever. How do you get a sneak in? Like, do you think- yo, yo, for real, right? Like, was the arena just like, oh, like, oh no, 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 this is not a real snake. It's just like a plastic snake that I intend to throw on the ice. Sorry. Yeah. It's like, okay, you can keep that. Like, you know? that's cool. Yeah. Unreal. Anyways, I just like. When a player in any sport gets cut or bought out, there's no sympathy like, oh, man, like the team should have been more loyal to him and kept him around even though he's bad. It's always like, yeah, be fucking sucked. Get him out of here. Yep. So then when the player is good instead of shitty and like monetizes that, there's always butthurt. But oh, like you fucking cash cow, you just like sell out. And I just don't think that's fair. Like if if Tavares was a draft pick bust and he got booted home, like. The fans would be like, yeah, you should have been better. But then he was better and decides to, like, take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. And he gets booed anyways. Like, what the fuck? I think a lot of it is cultural with hockey. Actually, friend of the podcast, Kevin Gormley. Uh, I was talking to her about this, the fucking Tavares thing because she's a Leafs fan. And she said one of the things is, like, no one ever leaves in hockey, right? So when you draft John Tavares first overall, you're, pres- you're you know, presumably having this guy for the next 20 years on your team. Right. And that's kind of, like, with, with that mindset, it's hard not if you're an Islanders fan to like obviously be in your feelings about him leaving. 
Um, I understand being upset as a fan. Right. But is that his fault or is it the organization's fault for not retaining that generational talent? If they could have like... Well, I'm, I, I don't have the information in front of me, but I can only assume they did everything possible to keep him in Long Island and he ultimately just picked Toronto. But you say everything possible. If they had like put a better team around him or like, I don't know, like, they, like Chicago retains Kane and Taves, like Flames are retaining everyone that we just locked up. Yeah. Like you just have to show that you're going to like go all in for this player. And mm-hmm. I don't think the Isles did that. Yeah. You or might be, did a bad job of it. You might be right there. Um, But yeah, I, I think everyone's like, oh, like he just like left in free agency. He took the money. He went to go get paid. But I think like... I don't think it was a dollars thing. I'm pretty sure the Islanders probably gave him every dollar he possibly could have wanted. And then it might be it might be a culture thing. And if you want to make the argument that they didn't surround him with like a great team or whatever, you know, he played in like a dumpy barn. It's Long yeah. Island. Then like that's fair. I think part of the outrage also stems from the fact that leading up to it, they were so confident they were going to sign him that they never had the opportunity to like create the arms race bidding war for like an asset for John Tavares that like you know the the Senators right. just did with Mark Stone. Yeah, I think that's where like a lot of the outrage comes from. And just like how we don't know the ongoing process of the behind the scenes of this negotiation that ultimately left to John Tavares leaving. Right. Uh, we don't know necessarily uh, how John Tavares approached it to management, whether he was like, yeah, I intend to sign. And then at the last second, like flipped out, like there's just so many moving parts that I understand the outrage versus, uh, you know, people poo pooing it. I will say if you watch CBC, you've seen that Tavares commercial where it's like him as like a kid seeing the, like uh, the Leafs and the Kings and that playoff series and be like, I just like always wanted. So he was one year old when that game happened. And that kid in the commercial is like seven. Yeah. Like, don't tell me you're one year old watching hockey and like deciding you're going to be in the NHL. For sure. And I think we're shame all, on you, CBC. We're all influenced by it. Like, it's impossible not to be because it's everyone's so outwardly like, oh, my God, the fucking Islanders fans. Can you believe them? Yeah. But of course, all of our sports media comes from what city? Toronto. Right. You think they have a vested interest in presenting it like that? Totally. Of course they do. You know, so I don't know. It, I like have a thing or two to say about it. Like I don't, it doesn't really bother me. I didn't think it was as interesting of a storyline, but that's because TSN every single day is like, Oh my God, John Tavares well, is going to go to long Island. That was one of my other points is like, we knew that he was going to get booed really bad. Like a week before, like, I don't know if people to call into radio shows <laughs> like, yeah. Hey, Jim Rome, like, just so you know, I'm going to go next week to this game and boo the shit out of John Tavares. Like, yeah. I don't know how you, but everyone knew, right? It wasn't a secret. And yeah. then as soon as they announced him in the starting lineup or whatever, she's like, boo, 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 boo. I think it's important that everything is good natured when it comes to sports. Cause that's what sports are. Ultimately is just fucking fun. Right. Just entertainment. Right. So totally, uh, for people to like do shit like that, like, you know, to, to light his Jersey on fire and, and throw snakes. Like, I don't know. Well, especially so like, like Sundin left Toronto to go chase a cup in Vancouver. Ha yeah. ha ha. Joke on you. Right. But, uh, he they had a no trade clause and the last year of his contract the Leafs asked him to waive and he said he did no it. that's right that's right I don't and then that. he left in free agency but then he got like the huge standing ovation mm-hmm. like the big crying on the bench like they loved him yeah and I don't know how that's that much different and I you know me I don't like portraying yeah. Toronto sports fans in good light yeah but like they honored him for what he gave to that franchise and Tavares gave a ton to the Islanders yeah that's true that's actually probably the best like parallel that you could have drawn there because yeah, Tavares did have he had some good years. That's some good times in, in Long Island, right? They had that one playoff series win. Yeah. Yeah. They uh I know. And 
he had, he won an Art Ross, I think, there. Yeah, he's just always a good player. Like, probably, like, their lone all-star game representative for the past, like, X amount of years, you know? Oh, totally. He was the franchise player, for yeah. sure. Yeah. But I don't think that makes it your job to sign contracts that wouldn't won't be beneficial to you as a player. True. Right? Like, yeah. let's say the dollars are the same. Yeah. But you can go to Toronto and play with Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, William Nylander, Morgan Riley. Yeah. Or you can stay and play with Franz Nielsen, Anders Lee, like, I guess Matt Barzal, but, yeah. like... It's. I can see why you'd be tempted to go to Toronto. I mean, score Toronto, way more points and probably make more money in your next contract. Think of right? how enticing that Toronto offer has to be for you to leave a first place team. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Actually, right, th- so right, that right, is the right, best right. part of the story. Yeah. Is that the Isles won six one and just dunked all over the Leafs? Oof, Fuck you, John. We don't need you. Yep. And are like way above them in the standings. You guys know me. I fucking love Russell Westbrook because he is a petty ex boyfriend, and that is exactly what the Islanders have been this entire time. So I feel like I'd be speaking out of both sides of my mouth, like being like, "Yo, I love how angry Russell Westbrook is. Like hates Kevin Durant. <laughs> it's so personal, you know." Yeah. Uh, and then if if I was to like poo poo the Islanders for that, it's kind of shitty for me. It, it's wicked too because like yeah. I like I don't like the Leafs as like a team. Yeah. But the so the Isles have less points. I just pulled up the standings. Less okay. points, but they're gonna host a playoff series against the Hurricanes. Yeah. And the Leafs with more points than the Isles are in third place in their division, so they have to be on the road against Boston, and they're gonna fucking lose, and it's gonna be sweet. That is gonna be sweet. <sighs> the Man, Matt Barzal, Anders Lees are gonna go to the conference final, and the Tavares Matthews Leafs are gonna lose, lose in the, in the first five round. games. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Can you imagine? Yeah. Okay, uh, yeah, that's all I got to say about that. It seemed like a good place to put a pin in it. Sure, yeah, yeah just before we go, uh, make sure to subscribe to our new channel on Apple Podcasts. Right. Uh, it's still called Seeing Red, but it has the big word Seeing Red across the logo. Yep. We unfortunately have to deactivate the old one here pretty soon. Uh, but yeah, check us out on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, yep. uh, SoundCloud still. Yep, yeah, we're basically in every capacity to listen to us, you have that ability. With the exception yeah. of YouTube, but like who listens to podcasts on YouTube these days? Or hit us up on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Nexopia. Yep. Habbo Hotel. For sure. Yeah, I think I have my MSN kicking around somewhere <laughs> too. Yeah. All right. Great. Uh, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week. This is Seeing Red.